0: Welcome to the ID10T Podcast number 1084. Our vintage uh, shop is up on id10t.com. Vintage shirts, sort of cool secondhand stuff, uh, shirts that I acquired that I would want to own <laughs> that I decided to put out there for the ID10T community. I just love uh, vintage and secondhand shirts. Give them, It gives them a second life. Um, it sort of uh, recycles them and uh, just keeps them flowing and it delights me to know that because I love them so much that other people would own them that would also love and cherish them. They're very special. Like a nostalgic diary of things that you loved. So that is id10t.com slash vintage if you want, or you can just go to the main page and click around. But uh, that is a direct URL, id10t.com slash vintage. So go check it out. There's some fun stuff up there. All right, I hope you are safe and healthy. Um, But let's keep talking about you in the ID10t community events at id10t.com. Like Todd, who writes, There's never been a way to efficiently and cost-effectively recycle VHS cassettes since they are composed of too many different materials. I hated the idea of just throwing them in the trash, so I've come up with some ideas, including making them into accent tables. They're available on Etsy in my shop VHS Creations. They're most definitely a niche item, which is why I thought I might go for a signal boost, specifically via ID10T. On top of being a retro 80s and 90s thing, one of them is themed with thrillers and creepy movies. Check them out if you'd like. Uh, It is etsy.com slash shop slash VHS creations. And I can tell you, uh, currently Todd has three tables in there. There's a corner table, a round table, and like a rectangular side table. And they're amazing. So um, I messaged him because I am definitely buying one. So great job, Todd. Good job recycling and also cool idea, you know, (laughs) for us uh, older folks who like to remember the 1900s, VHS tapes, large cassette tapes to watch talkie pictures on. Uh, Thanks again, Todd. Events at ID10T.com for anyone else. This episode is Nate Bargatze, who is a fantastic stand-up comedian. I love Nate. Uh, he has a new podcast called Nate Land, where it's wherever you listen to podcasts. And also, you should go to Netflix to watch The Tennessee Kid, his latest comedy special, which came out last year. He's just a great storyteller. He works clean, which I am endlessly fascinated with. And he's just an overall great guy. And uh, I just, in, you know, in this world where, we're not able to do stand-up right now. It's just so wonderful to talk to other comedians uh, and sort of bond in that way. Those are the types of things we do backstage at shows. And so uh, it's, it, it was just such a wonderful, wonderful conversation. I'm a huge fan of Nate's uh, professionally and personally. So go check out his podcast and watch his comedy already. This is the ID10T podcast number 1084 with Nate Bargatze. Oh, yeah, I think great. you're coming
1: online. There you are. It is. That's, uh, yeah. My, I, my daughter had to do Zoom for something, some class. Yeah,
0: anything, probably so. school. Everything's, everything's everything's Zoomable now. That's the way it goes. Yeah.
1: So I got my name changed on my own thing.
0: I was, tell- I was telling our producer, Katie, that what's yeah. going to have to happen with technology is that they're going to have to somehow embed the camera in the screen. So that you yes. can actually look at people instead of yeah. doing, you know, like the up and down, the up and yeah, down. Yeah, 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 yeah. That part's weird. That part's weird still. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I agree. Yeah. They start thinking that, you know, I did a uh, corporate gig for Zoom on a Zoom, like a little.
0: <laughs> of course you would. Yeah. yeah. Because you would have to. It's happening, dude. It's already happening. How did you, uh, yeah, okay, so if if you can talk about it, just, I would love to yeah. hear you kind of map out the logistics of, was it, were there like 100 people in the room, was it like, what, was that it basically, and you were performing yeah. for them?
1: It was, uh, it was, I talked to the Zoom guy, so it was like, set it up with Zoom, and we had like, uh, it was like 200 people, and I, it was me and uh, Ivan Decker, very funny Canadian comedian, and so he was just kind of interviewing me and trying to set up, like, questions, you know, because obviously he's like, I don't want to do a stand-up show like this. Right. Because I because all of them are muted. And it was, like, basically just trying to do lo- morning radio. Like, you're just trying to be funny whatever way you can. And uh, so it was just he asked me a bunch of questions. I told a bunch of stories. The best was uh, when these people get logged in, 200 people, the guy that, like, is in charge of Zoom is on it, like, everybody – And someone, I just hear someone doesn't unmute their mic. And I just hear this girl right when we get started. She goes, I don't know. It's some dumb comedy thing. (laughs) (laughs) So everyone heard that everybody. I mean, I, I immediately was like, what'd she say? Like, and I just made fun of that. I mean, you know, as comedians, we're the only people that like that stuff. Like for us, we're like, we love it when that happens. Cause it, mm-hmm. I mean, we got to make a living of making fun of ourselves.
0: Well, not only that, but just, just sort of embracing the imperfections. I don't, I just, um, I don't know if you're subscribed to Masterclass or not, but Steve Martin. I know it. I, I, haven't, I haven't subscribed to it, but I know what it is. Uh, well, Steve Martin has one on mm-hmm. comedy yeah. and it's wonderful because he doesn't, he doesn't say to people like here's how you write comedy. He he really tries to encourage people to kind of find what works for them, which I think is the right way to do it. But he's talking about embracing mistakes. And he tells this really it's I'm not spoiling anything. It's still worth having him tell it. But basically he's performing at a college very early on in his comedy career and something kind of goes sideways that um, if you watch it you'll hear what it is, but he went with it. And he said that moment was life-changing for him because it completely altered how he saw who he was on stage, what he could do with comedy. And so it's that idea of embracing mistakes. Like, I think when you're doing a show, wouldn't you say that, you know, you have your A-list material and that can go well, but when something happens in the room that is unique to that sort of communal experience, that's usually the best stuff. Would you agree? I agree completely. I mean, it's... I mean, that's
1: why like, you know, when you see people do uh, crowd work, that's why so many audiences love that in the room. They love because you're you know, you're talk you're making it very real. And I mean, we're getting more and more in a time where, uh, you know, like actual things happening just uniquely in this one situation are going to be so big. Yeah, you know like because it, it's all like on screens now and all this stuff so like you know when you do a live show and you're making fun of this guy where only the room gets what happened that you're i mean you're gonna be, you're gonna pay a price for that to have like inside jokes or something like you know or, <laughs> in, in experiences and as a comic you do you got to go with it and then just be like yeah this is happening i'm doing it this way like and like, you just send you down that route. And then I mean, because you never know where what what doors that's going to open. That's right. what's always fun is I, I love, you know, when you talk to comics or being a comedian, like, it's like, you got to have experiences. And you got to like, just be willing to go and be like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I, I'd rather talk to someone that's a train wreck than talk to someone that's put together. Because you, right. you, we want to see. Like, I just want to see where it's going to go. Like, where is this dude's brain? That, like, <laughs> you are like, this is nuts, dude. Like, I would love to hear it. Like, you know, you are talking to like a conspiracy theorist. You are like, yeah, dude, I would love to hear all of this stuff. Like, I well, not right. that I am into it all, but it's like I just wanted that guy's is, is way more interesting
0: to hear from. But that's also, but I feel like that's also the kind of the the root of a lot of your comedy is telling the story where telling a story where you are in a situation. And a thing or a person just kind of goes off the rails, and you're sort of recounting that from that perspective of I'm just a regular guy and I'm trying to navigate this situation where someone is really having a weird moment.
1: Yes. They you know, it happens, you know, my a joke I did in my special where an old man calls me Olivia because I have my shirt off and Which is a great I've seen the special The Olivia. Tennessee
0: Kid. It's really funny. It's a great Thank story. You.
1: Uh, but that, when that, when that story, when that happened, because that happened, you know, when you get a joke, as we know, like some jokes just, they, it's like perfect. You don't got to add anything to it. You don't got to do anything. It doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes we get lucky. And that one was where I got lucky. But when that happened, I, there's a, uh, there was a guy that worked there that heard it. And I asked him, I said, Hey, did that old man just call me Olivia? And that guy was like embarrassed. About it. He was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know why he did that. And that, that guy did, then that? Kid didn't know I was a comedian. I was like, "Dude, that's the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life." Like, I, I was like, "I mean, I was so happy that he called me." Like, well, I, I, I like love for, for
0: people listening not to spoil your special too much, but oh, just one yeah. joke. But essentially, an old guy comes up to you when you don't have a shirt on, and he thinks you're his wife. Yes,
1: an old, he calls you his elderly wife. He goes, "Olivia," <laughs> he just yelled it at me. And then, uh, I mean, I, and like I say in my, I covered, I truly covered up. Like it was, like, I was embarrassed. like, uh, I covered my, myself and I was like, what's that? Like, he's like, and then he just walked away and he just assumed, uh, I was hurt. And I, I do say in my specials, like I do, I would love to meet her just to see, you know, I don't know what if you're like, all right, I get it, dude. Like, you know, you're like, that makes sense. I do look like Olivia dead
0: ringer uh, she's got the five o'clock shadow five o'clock and, shadow
1: body yeah. very similar <laughs> she also has her shirt off in the parking lot <laughs> you're like yeah told it's you know what that was mine and olivia's fault more than his totally yeah uh, yeah <laughs> they it's but it's it's like cap- capturing those moments i talk about it in my new special of like or not i don't have a new special but my new hour that i'm t- doing but like it's like embracing these like that moment of the zoom and like when stuff happens, like I tell a story about a corporate gig that I did and, uh, it just went really wrong too. And it's like, but just embracing those stories. Those are the stories everybody wants to hear. Those are the stories that are the funniest stories, even in your, in people's regular life. Right. So if something is going wrong and it's happening to you, enjoy it, enjoy that it's going wrong and then be in it. And it's like, you, you got to almost train yourself not to get mad. You right. got to train yourself to like, just be like, what's happening? And then like, kind of go with it and, and it's actually a better way to enjoy life instead of just being angry. You get to just be like, yeah, this happened today. I don't you know, cause then you're like, why is this all happening to me? Cause then there's a point you do go, maybe it's me, dude, I'm doing something <laughs> that I'm bringing this out in uh, like I'm bringing out of people that they keep doing it to me.
0: Yeah. But it is, it, there's also that idea of like, um, you know, the idea of perfection being a sort of a non-existent you know mythological ideal, and that uh, the 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 you know art, artistry is not about perfection, you know like artistry is really in the in the mistakes and the fissures and all of the cracks, and you know it's like someone isn't going to form a, an hour long set about how perfect their lives is unless it's like a really extreme character or caricature, yeah. mm-hmm. but in general it really is all about sort of pointing out all the cracks and that's, that's human. And that's sort of, those are the things that we have to embrace because those are the kind of happy accidents that are more interesting than something that's like, you know, all these tiles are perfectly placed and this looks perfect. And it's like, okay, that's nice. It's kind of boring, but I get it. You know, yeah. And it and it, it is it is about embracing all of those mistakes, as Steve Martin calls them, or in, in your case, embracing all those kind of weird moments in life that are not, you know, picture perfect.
1: Yeah, it's hard not to want stuff to be perfect, and I fall in the same trap of, you know, I mean, you could think when you go to a restaurant and then the, the server's bad, and you're like, I want this to be per- like this is ridiculous that this person's not. I mean, and there's a line too that's I mean, obviously, if your server's a maniac, then. <laughs> uh, but it's yeah it's like you do gotta and I, re, I have to remind myself constantly like that it's like no you gotta enjoy like yeah enjoy the things that are not imperfect or not perfect you're not perfect enjoy things that are not perfect we're all doing this together we're all just people like and like just constantly kind of reminding yourself of that uh you know when someone does something wrong you're like I bet he's not that bad of a person I bet I think he's a maniac and crazy but he's probably not like you know And those are the, those are the, those are the reminders. Like, you know, I always like say, like, if I meet someone, I always try to meet someone knowing that like, they're probably great, man. I mean, everybody's basically great. 99% of the population of the earth is probably great people. And they're trying anyway. They're they're great.
0: Yeah. You hope. I I don't know if the number is that high, but I, I would, I would, I would hope, but it's funny that we, You know, when other people do something in a moment because that's all the information you have about them, that moment defines them to you and you go, oh, they're this. And you create this broad, sweeping, general view of who they are. You could do the exact same thing, but you make the exception for yourself. You go, oh, no, no, no. I was just having a moment, you know, like that. It's like that doesn't define me. I was just, you know, I yelled at someone in traffic. That's not who I am. I just had a moment. Well, if they did that, you'd be like that piece of shit. They suck. (laughs) They're shitty to their kids. They yeah. probably kick puppy, you know, like you yeah. build this whole narrative around them so that, you know, you can define them and sort them in your brain, but but it's just more complex than that. Yeah. Well and that and that is still
1: definitely fun to do too. It's still <laughs> I'm not I'm not yeah, we're not saying it's not a good time to sometimes be like, Well, that person probably throws dogs off bridges and then you're like Yeah, that, definitely. That
0: like you see, they just they sped up right when the light turned red. That that's a fucking dog that's a dog thrower. Yeah. That person's yeah, a there's no way they're not. Yeah. No, <laughs> I defy you to prove yeah. that that person is yeah. not hurl multiple dogs off multiple bridges multiple times. And we a should week. ask them to make them. They have to then defend it.
1: Like they have to. <laughs> they're like what? And you're like, do you throw dogs off bridges?
0: And I mean, they're actually, like, I don't even know where that's coming from. <laughs> you, you could even take the more aggressive stance of not asking them if they do it. Just say, why do you throw dogs off bridges? Yeah. Wait, bridges, I, that is a good. Well, why do you do it though? That doesn't make why? sense. I don't. So you deny it? Well, I'm just saying that. Please. I don't know. I, I you know, I, I've always been. Um, I'm I'm playfully jealous of your comedy in the sense that you're clean. You're a clean comic. You're funny, without crutching on, you know. And I don't. I mean, listen. I write, you know, like jokes that are somewhat blue, and I try not to the first place my brain... I could be writing about the dog and then three lines in, I realize I've written the line and then he poops out balls. I'm like, why did I do that? You know, I think it really depends on the comic and sometimes it is necessary, but it's where you can pair that back. Like when's it gratuitous and when is it actually actually functional for the joke? But did you ever make the conscious... Because like Gaffigan made the conscious decision, like if I'm talking about salads, I don't need to swear. I don't need to say like, where's the fucking dressing? Yeah. Did you make a conscious decision or does your brain just naturally work that way?
1: Uh, I, I did at the beginning my, you know, I always say I kind of write my comment. I think just it was for not to make my parents mad at me. And so I didn't want to be dirty <laughs> and then they come to the show and then they would be like, why are you doing this? And yeah. so I, so when I started that way and then I've always just stayed that way. And so now I'm kind of trained to think like that. I'm not, I don't think I've ever had a joke about sex and, I'm not even saying I wouldn't ever, but it's, I it just I just don't think that way. Me and uh, a comic, Big J Okerson, who's very dirty, which you, by the way, I wouldn't consider really dirty. Like it's like, you know, it's like burr, like you know, you're like everybody's dirty and curses and stuff, but you're not like a dirty comp. It's not like like Bob Saget was when people went and saw him, where it was like intentionally this is like yeah, breaking out of curse and roll. Yeah. It's, it wasn't like, you know, cause there's a different, big J is a dirty comic tells a storyteller, but then also this can be very filthy. And, but me and Jay used to like talk about jokes when we first started and the way our heads would go. I mean, it'd be like, me and you wrote, like we could, if me and you talked about a dog, we're never going to probably touch the same idea about that dog. And like, that's, and it was always kind of interesting to like do that, to be like, Oh, that is kind of crazy that like, his brain just goes that way, and like you know, yours goes. It's it's kind of you just gotta go whichever way you feel it's gonna go, and then after you do it for so long, you end up just becoming like that's uh, you just think like that, and so I, it's just it is what it is now.
0: Yeah, I mean, you definitely do condition to you can condition to write in certain ways. I I do I do believe that, and it is also like because I I've, I've noticed that. I'll just sort of throw like the word fuck in there are fucking when i ah, oh, this fucking thing. And then afterwards I go, Oh, I was insecure about that joke because if I were secure about it, I, that was that F bomb was really kind of designed to sort of like shock, like, like almost like a defibrillator, just shock the audience a little bit into laughing because you know, that's sort of a childish. So when is that necessary and functional and when is it like gratuitous and insecure and, you know it's never the same answer all the time, but where I think it can be paired out is a lot <laughs> but I think yeah. it would be really interesting hearing you say that if you had two comedians that did like one one special together where they basically had the same topics and then you would get the two different points of view sort of juxtaposed, so you know you would tell your you know clean dog stories and the dirty comic would then come with the other and then you would almost almost kind of have a call and response about covering these topics in a you know from 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 both sides sort of like the light and the dark
1: yeah yeah i mean it's definitely uh you know i mean like that's like you have it in you like with the also with all the things you host i mean you have to do a ton of things that you can't be dirty so, Right it's it's you that's the only thing that comics have to worry about is the ones that don't know how to turn it on and off like that's the problem where the guys can't like you know you're like i remember people would send me like late night sets like hey what do you think of this and they would curse in the late night set that they're submitting and i'm (laughs) like and they're like well i'll just take that out i'm like i know but if you can't take it out in the submission tape how can they trust that you're going to take it out
0: on live tv like they and they're immediately going to go, well, this guy can't come on because he's, you know, he said fuck like nine times.
1: Yeah. yeah, And he's like, but I won't do it. They're, you're like, yeah, it doesn't work like that, dude. They, <laughs> you got to present what would be on, you know, The Tonight Show or whatever you're going to go do. Uh, right. So they got to learn to like, it's, those are the ones that are, you know, like that is interesting. Like, so like, yeah, like with you, like I would say, if someone's going to see you and they were like, is he dirty? You're like, you oh, know, he's definitely curses and uh, does some dirty but it wouldn't be like i'd be like what's like overly a problem it's you know <laughs> it's it's cuz if there is a big difference of there's a lot most comics are just a little curse and talk about whatever sex whatever they want to talk about and then you have some that go crazy and they talk about just that and right. then you have i mean but then as far as clean comics the thing that i try to is like you don't want to be labeled as like a christian comic like where they people just wrap that up in your head as like oh It's like he's talking about nothing and it's like soft material. And, you know, like that would always scare me. Not saying that Christian comics are not funny, but like it's just labeling. I think you don't be labeled a dirty, a super dirty comedian as much as you don't be labeled a super, super, super clean comedian. We're all trying to be this balance where you hope that no one brings up anything. They just say it's a comedy show.
0: It's a comedy show. yeah, Yeah, because because when people but it is that sort of thing of sorting and filing information in the way that you know that we know the person who ran that red light throws puppies up bridges because there's just so much there's just so much information that our brains really can't handle it and so we just have to quickly quick sort especially now with so much so much stimuli like 24 hours a day media social media internet amazon like you know everything I think people are just like filing and sorting and filing and sorting and filing and sorting. And so they go, this is this type of comic and that's that type of comic. And it doesn't mean they're right, but it also means that once someone has filed or sorted who they think you are as a comedian, they may not even watch your special because they just think, Oh, he's that. Do you know that? Well, no, but I just, yeah, I, I don't, but I do. And, and so then people are less willing to, take chances to discover things because they've already like shut it down in their yeah. in their minds. They do it with shows. I
1: mean like yeah, with TV shows you could do that. Go, ah, that's I don't think I would be into that. Like <clears throat> yeah, they absolutely cuz there is you have so many options now that you're like, well, I got to be careful with what I I don't you know, in your head you're like I don't want to waste an hour of my options. Which
0: is so funny because you'll waste an hour watching trailers and then go to bed and that was your night of entertainment but the idea that you would waste an hour watching something that might not that you could discover that you love or you're like oh I didn't really like this but at least you tried it and you 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 found out. I do I took
1: social media off my phone and I I still have it like on my computer and stuff and I just don't have it because I was so annoyed at night like I'm trying to watch TV. That was the thing that you did, wasting time. And I'm like, and I just catch myself scrolling on my phone for an hour and a half. And I'm, I was so angry that I'm like, I'm, I'm trying. It's not like I'm trying to read a book. I'm trying to watch a dumb movie or The Office for the hundredth time. You're
0: distracting yourself from, from distracting yourself.
1: Yes. And you're like, it's like these layers that you're like, dude, what am I doing? Like, and then so I, I took it off my phone. And then when I watch TV now, if I lay on the couch, I, I throw my phone like as far as I can away from me. So I, I can't even reach to grab it. Just trying to make myself focus on nothing. Like it's like, I, you know, you're trying to, yeah, like you said, you're distracting yourself from distracting yourself. Like, yeah, like yeah. let me just concentrate on the first distraction. Let's just yeah. get that down. And oh, no one's said
0: anything in this scene for 12 seconds. I'm going to start scrolling. It's like, you. let me what? just see what's up.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> it's, 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 it's too much. And you get too obsessed with like, you know, I think it's a lot for us. We follow all these, we all follow each other with comedians and you start like you're seeing what these other comedians are doing. And like, I don't know, it's like some of that. You're like, I, I can't be just like obsessing with like, what, what is everybody doing? And what is everybody, like, you know, it's like, I get, you got to be your own person. Like, you got to be, you got to just do your own thing, which is something that I think you've done that we all like as comics is you, you did, you just, you did your thing and like you went and became you and you're you and you're a, you're like a thing. And that's what we all want is just to be, you got to get everything else out of the way and try, you're trying to be all these other people and like, no, go be you. And then that's the, you is what, sends you off and I really appreciate
0: that but it took me 12 years it took me at least 12 years to figure out what that was there were 12 years of like chasing other roles or chasing other you know types of parts or doing other like the type of comedy that I thought other people you know and then at a certain point I don't know it's just some awareness that clicked on in my head in my 30s and for me it was after I got sober I'm not saying that's for that will happen for everybody it just that's when it happened for me I was like well wait a minute what do I like but I had to live for a while and try a bunch of stuff before I could even have the awareness to ask that question. So I I don't know. And I still feel like I'm trying to figure it out because you constantly, hopefully you evolve and you change. Well, what am I like now? And what am I into? And what's this? And you forget to ask yourself those questions because at a certain point you feel like you have it all figured out and then you go, Oh wait, I thought I had myself figured out, but we change because we are exposed to new things all the time. So who am I now? Who, who are we going to be after quarantine? I don't know. You know, like, yeah. but we'll ask those questions along the way and when we get there. Yeah. You gotta have, it is like, I'm actually sober now too, for like,
1: uh and there, nice. it, 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 I think some of it is coming. You, yeah. You get older and you're like, you just realize how much wasting time that is. And that affects a, hey, the older you get too, you can't drink and just bounce back. And so you're, <laughs> They're just like, yeah, I just can't do this anymore, dude. Like, this is – it's too much. Uh, I ta- Hannibal Burris doesn't drink anymore either. I we were, I was talking to him about it because we both stopped about the same time. And we're it was like a good way of thinking. He's like, yeah, put up some good numbers, man. I did great, you know. Like, And you're like, yeah. And, like, you see, like, if I'm around people that are much younger than me and they're still drinking, you're like, yeah, man. Like, I did all of that that you're doing. I'm not jealous of it anymore. I used to be, but now you're like – I. I wake up and feel amazing every day. That's unbelievable. That's yeah. like the greatest thing ever to feel that. Uh, so, but like doing like talking about experiences, like I always tell somebody they want to, they're like the question, you know, when someone's always like, what would you do differently if you could go back and start your career over? And I, but I always say it's like nothing like I you've got to go learn what to do and not to do. Like even yeah. the bad stuff. I mean, I probably still needed to do it. Like, or I wouldn't have known to – I don't want to do that. I don't want to do right. this. I would always get pulled into situations. I mean, some of it is being, like, clean. Like, I get put into – you know, I learned with auditions. At first, I would sit auditions where I'd be dirty. Then you're like, I'm A, I'm not getting any of these parts, so it doesn't matter. But then why, as me as a comic, which is the main thing I want to be, why am I going to go try to be some dude that's, you know, just – is masturbating in some movie for four seconds. Right, like right. what's the benefit? Is that going to change my life? No. And it just, so I can just do my thing that I want to do and stand up. And then you take the stuff that you're like, no, I'm not that person. So you learn to say no. It's learning to say no. Yeah.
0: yeah. But and, and, it, and what's interesting is that there's this sort of, I think intuitive idea of like, Oh, I have to accept all opportunities. Yeah and then but then when you try to do that there kind of aren't opportunities in a weird sort of way because you're trying to be everything to everybody and then when you really make decisions and you start saying no and you go well th- this is who I am and these are the types of things I want to do it somehow creates all of these opportunities because you're you're really on a specific path and you kind of it's easy to say like oh well I don't want to I don't want to do that or I don't want to do that so I'm not going to waste energy pursuing those things the more focused I am and the more me I am, as I discover who that is, the more opportunities there are because the path becomes clearer. Yeah, and yes. I, I also, going back to what you said before about, oh, I wake up without drinking and I feel amazing. And by the way, if people can drink and have a couple drinks and be fine and they don't think about it all the time, great. I don't have a problem with alcohol. I mean, I have, I have a problem with alcohol. I can't <laughs> do it. But I just mean, like, the concept of alcohol is, you know, alcohol is neutral. It's sort of like... yeah. It's like an automobile and, in, in, you know, in, in most people's hands, it's fine. In some people's hands, it can be deadly. You know, it just depends. It's just a neutral tool. But I remember because I quit drinking in October of 2003 and I remember waking up January 1st, 2004 and going, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like I see all these hungover people at breakfast and their heads are slumped down. I don't feel that anymore but I wouldn't have appreciated that if I hadn't had other January 1st where I was like, oh my God, I'm never, I have to stay in bed all week. You know, yeah. like you, I had to learn that.
1: You learn when you, I mean, to wake up and just be tired is unreal. Like just to be <laughs> like, yeah, like January 1st, someone's like, let's go get brunch at 10. And you'd be like, are you crazy, dude? Like yeah. before. And now you're like, oh, even if I go to bed at, two or three you're like and you get up at like eight or in the morning or something you're like oh I uh I don't know I said brunch like I I don't get a lot of brunch offers uh that's not happening but it's uh (laughs) it's like that's just part of my life I'm like I get asked to go to brunch every day and now I can that's Uh,
0: right well it was a good example though like I understand understand
1: I'm a big fan of brunch I wish I was I wish it was in my life more I'm just uh it's it's just not But the headlines are, Nate Bargatze, brunch hater says, I don't, I'm not trying to, I I just, I wonder, I want brunch. That's what I was saying. I want brunch (laughs) in my life. Uh, But yeah, they, to wake up. And I mean, I remember just waking up and you're like, oh, I'm just tired today. And you're like, well, I could fight being tired. You can't fight, you know, nauseous and miserable. And you're, and I learned too, like, it was like, if I wanted to, As I got busier and, you know, when the special came out, we started touring more and uh, we started doing theaters and all this thing that's leading up is like if I was not, if I kept drinking, I was like, I'm just not, you know, I'm going to, you end up like, you got to think like, so when you do a weekend, right? So we go do a weekend. People, I think, don't realize how much alcohol is in our life, too, as comics. We're around it all the time. It's where it's every day. Uh, and we, I mean, at the beginning you get paid in alcohol, like they're like, you can drink all you want and that's all you would get. So, but I remember doing like shows you do Thursday to Sunday run at a comedy club. Thursday would be amazing. And then you go out Thursday night and then the rest of the weekend, you're just trying to get through the weekend. So as a comic, you're like, that's five shows that you're just phoning in because you're miserable from the first night. And the Thursday night, that's why for comics, we probably love Thursday night so much because that was the only one we would go into and not just be hung over. And right. so we love Thursday because every, every comic loves Thursday. Right. And you're, Cause you're like, I feel like I was trying stuff. I was doing the extra, I'm not, I was thinking better. And then the rest of the weekend, you're just like hung over and you're just trying to get through the weekend. And, <laughs> just-
0: and the, those weekend shows get, you know, it, even sober, it can, you know, if you're not used to staying up super yeah. late, it can be a huge, it can be a lot of energy. And, you know, for my shows up until the quarantine, and I was doing shows up until the two weeks before the quarantine, my last show was The Punchline in San Francisco, you know, like I would do a show and then I would be, meet people after the show and then we'd take pictures and stuff. And so mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it's several hours of being energetic and and, and meeting people, which I love doing and, and. I just wouldn't be able to do that. Like, I'm not saying this is for everybody, but but for me, I know that my comedy career would not be that great if I was having to play catch up all the time because I was drinking, but I probably wouldn't realize that. I'd be like, I don't know why I'm not further along. And it's like, well, you know, because I didn't, I didn't have the sort of mental acuity to be focused on the jokes, what I need to do, having the right energy, showing up, you know, like not, not having my senses dulled, And so I need every bit of energy in my body to do those things. And there's no extra energy to waste, or I wouldn't be able to do it at all.
1: Yeah. And your act, I mean, your act becomes all about being in a bar. Like that's everything, every experience you have is being in a bar. You're not doing any other life experience or it's, it's going to be fighting. Like, you know, you get in fights in your relationships or you get in the way you're, it's all kind of negative because you're like, Cause you're like, oh yeah, I'm hungover. Cause like, my friend, I'm always fighting with my friends, or I'm always doing this. And it's because you put yourself into this idea that you're just like drinking, and you're just, you know, you, you're every story's like, oh, I went and got drunk last night, and this day, this guy was awful to me. And you're like, like we were talking about earlier, you're like, probably wasn't, but you were probably miserable. And yes. so you, and you made it about, you know, then you trashed some poor guy that's like he threw up on his sidewalk and you're like, he's the problem.
0: And, you're and you like, forgot that part. Yeah, I definitely, you know, like there were definitely a couple of friends in my life that near the end of drinking, I was like, God, what's their problem? I went up to say hi to them and they were just weird to me. God, they think they're all that. And then afterwards, you know, then when you're, when you're sober and then you're around people who are drinking a lot and they come up and they're like, what's happening? What are you? And they, you know, they're spitting when they talk yeah. and you know, they're hanging out and you're like, Oh my God, that's, Oh, it was me. It was me. Uh, me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the loud spitting person, and I didn't realize it. And in my mind, and in in, at the time, I was like, I made it their fault. But it was like, I was just annoying. That I didn't yeah. It. <laughs> Alcohol is very
1: interesting. It's very interesting that, like, you know, I've read some of those books where, uh, you know, not like, again, like we said, like, if, if people are normal drinkers, then go for it, man. Uh, or if you're young and you want to have fun, I get it uh but you see it that it is it's like this poison that's like just trained in your from the beginning you know I mean it's like cigarettes like tv everybody smoked cigarettes I watched uh I just watched uh three identical strangers I don't even saw that documentary it's about these oh yeah yeah, yeah 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 so they they're all smoking cigarettes on tv in the 80s and then they they like he's on Donahue and they're like what brand of cigarettes do y'all smoke? And they're like, we all smoke Marlboro. And that was a normal question. I mean, can you imagine asking someone that question now? Like, can yeah. you, like you would never on TV be like, so what kind of cigarettes you smoke, buddy? <laughs> like, it's just, it, I mean,
0: people would be like, what? Like, you I know, it's, do that. It, it's funny because it, it's, I'm starting to have some of the same reactions, you know, having been in this sort of post-lockdown world for the last four months, I'm starting to feel some of the same things, like the way that when you see people just freely smoking on old shows and you go, oh, my God, that's so jarring. Now watching, like, group scenes in movies, yeah, where I go, yeah. how are they all together? What, how are they? You know, it's it, it's just things change and things evolve. And, you know, with smoking in particular, it, yeah, they just, everyone was fine with it. And then at a certain point, it's like, maybe we, Maybe we shouldn't be promoting this so much. Obviously, people are going to do it, but maybe we don't need to yeah. celebrate it. I think I still get
1: excited when I see someone smoke. Like you see, like I like to golf, and I'll see like there's this guy I always see, and he's always smoked a cigarette by himself, and I'm always like, I like that guy. Like <laughs> I don't understand It's just so unique to see it now that you're like, ah, good for that guy. You know, you like have, have
0: you been doing comedy long enough to remember? Did you ever perform in a smoking club? I did.
1: Uh, not much, but it was basically kind of done. I started in 2003 and okay. then, uh, once you got sober, I heard that. I said, like, now I'm going now it's time. <laughs> now it's time. And then, uh, I, uh, so I, I did do it and I remember doing it and you would just be on stage and you just see smoke rise. And then just, I remember your clothes would just like shriek <laughs> yep. and, uh, It was so crazy. And I remember doing some, not a ton of shows, but some shows. And I remember even doing some, I mean, I I wonder if there's anywhere right now. I mean, there has to be,
0: I've seen bars that still people smoke cigarettes in. I don't know. Comedy clubs, I don't think so because I don't, well, maybe there, I don't know. I just, the last one I did was probably in 2007 or eight, I think. Cause that's about when I started like really headlining was like, yeah. I started to comedy in 98, but then didn't start headlining for like 10 years after that. And I, I'm pretty sure it was, if I'm wrong, I apologize. But I feel like it was like a club in Indianapolis, maybe Crackers or... Yeah. Um, yeah and I, and they, not every show was a smoking show, but I remember there was one, it was like, oh, the Thursday or the Friday, one of the earlier in the week shows was a smoking show. But the stage was one of those raised stages where people mm-hmm. are kind of like, like, there's like a sort of like a bar top. Yeah. kind of situation. Is it Broad Ripple? You remember there's Crackers it was, broad, it ripple. broad Ripple. I think it wasn't Broad Ripple. There'd just be one downtown. Yeah, I think it was the yeah. one downtown and what happens when pe- When a whole room of people are smoking and you're standing like above them is that you just catch all the smoke. Yeah. You're the yeah. smoke filter <laughs> yeah. and I was so sick for the rest of the shows because it was just, you know, a couple hundred people just yeah. and I, I just inhaled all of it and uh, and I don't miss I don't miss those days. <laughs> no, it's
1: like, I mean, yeah, you're, I mean, just your clothes, like you you mean have to wear, you know, you can't just wear the same jeans all weekend because it's, you're just, you just reek and when you smell it. I mean, there's a, there's a bar where they do a show here in Nashville and they still can smoke in that bar. And I mean, I haven't been to it now. Cause it's like a local show. Uh, God, I mean, it's been a, probably a year since I've been, but I'm almost positive. They still smoke in there and uh that because that's just the bar that it is and in the back yeah. room is like this thing uh but yeah it was it was definitely i remember it i mean i like i started like we always talk about like though i had vhs tapes like i was at the very end of the vhs to when you then went to that little whatever thing is you record your sets yep. so my first three comedy sets are on vhs Um uh, which used to, that would be mail a tape in, which is so crazy. And I remember when links, when you start, links started happening, but you would still get a club. That's like, no, just mail us a tape. And you're like, yeah, but there's a, there's a much easier way. Like, you you're like, just go with it. Go with the easier way of just
0: let me email this link to you. Like, well, then there's also that anxiety of like, I mailed the tape. Did they get it? Did it show up damaged? Is it, You know, did they ever, like, stick it in the machine and watch it? I mean, it was – and then what's happening with all these tapes? Are they just – are they recycling them or throwing them away or what's – you know, it was a a very clunky time. But even – but VHS, I feel like, didn't even have that long of a life because that was probably only about 10 years. Because you couldn't really mail a link. I mean, you couldn't really – you know, I don't know if people were really sending tapes before the '90s. Maybe they were. I don't. I don't yeah. know. So I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what comics of of your did. I have no idea how they. I guess they had to. Would you have to go to a town and audition, or you would just have to get on a talk show and then they go, "Okay, we'll we'll book this person" because they were on the Tonight Show.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's what they were. I mean, that's what like Steve Martin, like in his book, he talked about him doing. It took him, I think he said, twelve times. Where some people like Stephen Wright. Got on and was uh, got asked like maybe that next week he got asked back on. He was like someone that like Johnny Carson like took to and was like come back next week and then next week he was on the Tonight Show and then
0: his career just took off from there. Well, that was that was the benefit of doing quick. I mean, Stephen Wright is sort of the he's he's the 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 mold of of that because everything about him worked. He looked the part. His cadence was the part, his tone was the part, the jokes all figured in. Like every piece was this concert of that persona. And um, I mean, I don't really know him well at all. So I don't, I probably met him twice. So I don't know if he's really like that or not, but but the quick jokes for like a five minute, six minute set. And Steve, he talks about it not in this masterclass thing too. You know, his goal was he wanted to be funny without jokes. He wanted to be funny, sort of like a 15 year old, in the sense of that you didn't know why you were going and go, God, this guy was so funny. Why how was he funny? I don't know. It was just really funny. And at the same time, he sort of um because he was a shy, introverted guy. And so he talked about how he had to fake confidence on stage, but eventually that fake, confident character became his stage persona of like the overly like hey everything's great and so that's more of a slow burn because i think audience really have to get into the vibe of that whereas steven wright like it's just a billboard you see it all right there you know exactly what it is you don't have to process any of it and so i can see why that worked right away on the tonight show that is funny
1: you could really see just a picture of steven wright with a microphone and if you saw him live, you would be like, oh, yeah. You, like, even if you couldn't guess what he did, once he did it, you're like, yeah, that, that makes sense. It all like, tracks.
0: It just, where, yeah. You know, like Steve Martin, one of the first times he went on The Tonight Show, he did this thing called Stand Up for Dogs. Yeah. And he just he brought out, like, four or five dogs. And he told the audience, like, oh, you know, it's like uh, it was a, the, the, the premise of it was no one ever does comedy for pets. And so he's like, so I've done these jokes just for dogs. If you're not a dog, you probably won't get this. So he basically just starts doing these really dopey like dog centric jokes that the audience doesn't laugh to. But then the dogs start reacting like they start walking around and walking away and the camera cuts to a reverse angle on the dog's faces. And then it's really funny. But that like that's a that's almost a sketch,
1: you know, yeah. like it's yeah. not like a quick two line joke. Yeah. My dad saw Steve Martin in, uh, in Nashville, like 1979 the exit in. Which was oh. like a rock venue. And uh I think he they went and like he he like left with everybody, like one of those like those old stories of just yeah. hearing them walk out with the crowd and be like, Let's go get milk and cookies and then they go get milk and cookies. And I was almost like I'm you know, I was very like happy, like proud of my dad to be like, I'm glad you went to go, you because, know, I mean Steve Martin obviously he's selling out the exit in, but he's not this stadium act that he did become right uh, so you like saw him like very early you know i'm sure you get told too on the road like you meet people that are into comedy and they're like i saw jerry seinfeld at this comedy club before his show came out or like whatever or, you know they named someone and it's always like oh that's awesome because like, you never hear those you know like when eddie murphy did raw i always like wondered i'm like did he just go like there, you, there's no like record of like where did he go work this material out at like where did right. he did, did, like and he was so you know he's like a phenom so he's you know cuz he's 22 like
0: doing yeah. this stuff and you're like did he just like come up with it like at- it sounds like maybe he did it sounds like it's like one of those stories like prince where you're like oh at 17 he played every instrument and produced it like you know Eddie murphy was just sort of that next level of Oh yeah, that's a whole. That's a very unique thing. Most people can't do that. Most most people have to like go through and really workshop jokes and really like it's not fully formed in that way. But if you go to in your hometown, Zanies of Nashville, the walls are just a shrine Mm -hmm. to of headshots of famous comedians when they were basically kids, you know. Mm -hmm. And you kind of go through and go, oh, there's you know, oh look how young Drew Carey was there. Look at this part, you know. So it's Mm -hmm. that's kind of fun when a club's been around that long because it, you know, locals will have had those experiences. Yeah. I mean, if you imagine like Eddie Murphy, just think about now, if you
1: would any adult listen to a 22 year old kid, like they listen to Eddie Murphy. Like, I mean, if you're 40 and like, I mean, I'm 41, if like, if I
0: have 22 year old, like now you're like, but I'm not so listening to this. now. That's why yeah. Like everyone's, everyone's tastes are so specifically algorithmically met on the internet and in the in the 1900s, <laughs> in the, you yeah, know yeah. before before really the 90s, you know there and there was cable from the mid 70s on, but it it really like it really started to take off in the 80s. But really, most people watched the same handful of things back then. Yeah. So yeah. you know everyone was watching SNL, and Eddie Murphy was the clear standout on SNL. And then he did 48 Hours. Then he did Beverly Hills Cop and Trading Places. And and so he was a massive star. And so you just wanted to watch everything he did. And he also did, con- you know, Delirious and Raw were concert movies. And Richard Pryor had done, you know, Live on the Sunset Strip. And I think uh, another one, I think was, I can't remember the other one was called. Have you seen me late? Or something. And so they were like comedy movie stars, which was a whole separate animal. Yeah. And yeah. now everything's so specific, and people's tastes are so specific that audiences are so incredibly splintered. Someone can be really famous to a group, but but lack the sort of overall conscious, you know, cultural consciousness of having of being a household name, you know, across the board. Yeah,
1: it's funny we because we have to deal with a lot of that where we can interact with someone that is excited to meet you, and then someone that doesn't know you. And right. I I had it. I do a the golf tournament for my high school. Since so I had to go to college, my only alumni is my high school. So <laughs> we, we started doing it and now it's called the neighbor gets a golf tournament. So we, when we did it the last time we did it, uh, I was taking a picture with a kid that was like excited. It was like, Oh, I've watched a comedy with my mom, my parents. And, uh, we love it and whatever. So the kid is excited to meet me as I'm taking the picture, uh, a guy in his group that I kind of like knew his uncle or something. He just goes, "Are hey, you still doing that comedy thing, man? How's it going?" <laughs> like, and just, and it was like just, this, I mean, just to be asked as I stand next to a kid that's can't, like excited to be meeting me, and then another guy that's golfing at the Nate Bargatze <laughs> golf tournament, and still questions, "Am I? How's it going, buddy? You still making money from that? Are you making I'm any playing money in you?
0: my tournaments Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going well. It's going, it's, it's good enough that this high school is
1: excited that this tournament's called after me. And it's like, you just have to deal with those, you know, those, I don't know. It's just so many different, like. It's character building. Variables. It's good. I love it. I, it's, it's the back to the Olivia thing. It's like a moment that you're like, it's a, it's a very fun moment to have. And, uh, it's the stuff that you remember. And that's, that's a problem too. Like when you do like, like comments, like, you know, if you ever read YouTube comments on stuff, I try ever to do it but sometimes you get sucked in somehow and then you start reading and you, but you gravitate towards the meaner ones. And those are the ones instead of all the ones that are nice or positive or, you know, even whatever, even if they give you constructive criticism, like, and you gravitate to the ones that are just like awful. That are ones that are just like, this guy's the worst or like one, you know, like Reddit. I just, I just saw it pop up somewhere on my, or like a Google or,
0: and it was just like Nate Bargatze's the worst, and you're like, well, what's that? <laughs> like you're yeah. like, and also like it's you're exposed to every opinion, and and the and the angrier, more aggressive ones are usually going to get more traction than like oh, yeah. I really like Nate, or the people that like you are just not as motivated sometimes. So like I really like Nate, but I don't. I'm not. That doesn't that doesn't make me passionate enough to have to go comment about it. I just really yeah. like him, as opposed to the people who are angry. But it also and I do believe it affects everybody. No one likes to see negative comments, but as comedians, we are conditioned to target hecklers and try to interact with them or when scanning a room of focusing on, you know, wow, 500 people are laughing, but that one person has their arms folded. So you just zero in on them because you're trying to create this whole, you know, like this whole uniform experience and make the audience come together uniformly. But but also there's like insecurity and then it's like comedy insecurity yeah. too. Of like, Oh, what? why don't they like me? I don't like me. Do they not like me? Or, you know, is, they say I suck. Is that true? That's probably true. Isn't it? You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. so there's that part too. We do that where, cause we're, 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 we want everybody,
1: like you said, we want everybody to like us. And when we get started on stage, you walk on stage and these people don't know you and you're like, well, I got to make all these people like me. And then, so the, so it's like you're constantly trying to do that. So then when you do get it to a point where it's like the whole room likes you, like you said, and there's one guy that doesn't like, well, why is that? Why can't I get that guy? I mean, have you ever like changed your act? Like, not you don't change it, but you, you see someone not laughing and then you're like kind of maybe speed up to a joke that you're like this, they're like this one. They have to like totally.
0: this one. Yeah, and totally. And 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 it, it's funny. It's because there, there, there's a broader, I don't know if it's, I guess it's a psychological idea, but it's, it it's, uh, but also somewhat philosophical too. But there's this idea of um, hedonic adaptation, and the idea is that you will you will v- fairly quickly accept a, a, a new baseline and start ta- and potentially start taking it for granted. So if you say like, "Oh my God, I won't be happy until I have you know $100,000," and then you work really hard, and all of a sudden you have $100,000 in your bank account that doesn't make you happy forever. You very quickly accept the new baseline and then start looking for the next thing to to make you happy. You know, like that next external thing. It's not a good cycle, by the way. And so there is that sort of idea too of a thousand people can say nice things and you very quickly adapt to that and you find the one or two or five where they say you're a piece of shit or the one person out of a thousand in a room who's not laughing where you're essentially... T- kind of almost taking all of the good stuff for granted. And that is really a broader metaphor for kind of how people can fall into traps and live their lives, right? Where you, you go, why are you focusing on the thousand people who are laughing? If that one guy doesn't like you, that's, you know, what are you gonna, but that's not what we do. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like, it's I gotta not... win this guy over. Yeah, gotta how do I win it. this one guy
1: over? Which I mean, could benefit like for even the whole audience to be, you're chasing this thing. You're chasing, which is kind of backwards, perfection. You're chasing right. a, a a perfect like you want that it's perfect response. It's a phantom; it can't happen. And then you know, it's like trying to get a stand. You want a stand ovation. The idea of like stand ovations, like they're not easy to get. They're they're like you get them, and but it's they're not. They're you know, it's always funny. You see comics like be like stand ovation, and then you like, watch their video, you're like, you stood out there quite a bit like you
0: know also was, those people were getting up to leave yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah you're like, i guess if we're counting it then yeah i guess i got you, one too if they weren't facing you that was a standing ovation yeah. that wasn't an ovation yeah but it yeah. takes a lot for people
1: to stand up and clap like i mean no one knows what to do and like so they just like kind of sit there and then you're like oh, i guess it didn't go good you know it's you like ever,
0: have you ever had the one where like a couple of people thought you deserved one, but the rest of the audience wasn't oh, willing yeah. to take the leap. And so Jeez. a couple of people stand up right away. and The rest of the audience is like, I mean, we liked him, but not enough to get up right now. Yeah. You <laughs> just, just like see the people behind people. them bend over around yeah. to look like
1: they're like, oh God, this you guy. Just, you
0: just, you thank those people for trying to keep the dream alive. Thank you. The three of you. I you appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. yeah, I appreciate yeah, yeah. what you're trying to do. The rest of the audience, not ready yet. They're like, eh, the show is fine. I mean, like, <laughs> I'm not going to. Not gonna, stand not gonna
1: stand up. I mean, I guess there's a, and, and then you're you're just trying to get all those people. You're just trying to get all those standing ovation. You're like one day, all, it's gonna come together, and just all the standing ovation types will get together.
0: I know because in our heads, you know, it's like that. It's like that last moment of Chris Rock's Bring the Pain special from I think it was '97 which was like, I think really sort of changed comedy. You know, it was like that special yeah. was such a defining special and he's destroying the entire time. And then that last bit where he's like, Oh, I'm running down the street. Oh, I got shot. I'm I love you. And then he fucking throws the mic down and the audience, jo- I mean, it's, it's that, that explosive moment, you know. Is that what we're chasing? You know, because that's really result-oriented thinking as opposed to process-oriented thinking. Like, I'll get up, I'll do my jokes, if people like it, great. If not, I did whatever I could do. But we are, you know, always hoping to achieve that result somewhere in the back of our heads. Yeah, yeah, you want it to... I mean, yeah, dropping
1: the mic is definitely a, a big cue of, like, the show is over. I mean, I look, nowadays, I mean, you can tell... You know, like I could start feeling where you don't know if the audience uh, wants an encore or not. Like, I, uh, on my act now, I would, I do an encore, but I actually don't leave the stage. I just still, I stay out there. And because I did it a couple times where I would walk off and come back. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, dude, they don't want this. Like, they, <laughs> like they, you know, he's and then out. he's coming out again. I coming, thought he's, was- uh, I've, I've seen this before. I've seen this trick. What are you doing? Yeah. And so I would just stay. Now I just stay. I tell the audience, I go, look, I've done it where you go uh, walk back. Our, my manager, our, both our managers, Alex, uh, he was like, go count to eight and then go back out. Like there was a number and then I did it and he was there. Alex was there the first time I did it. And then I, like after a few times, he's like, I can't. I'm not doing this anymore. That feels weird. Yeah. I was like, I don't mind doing some old jokes, but like, I was like, I'm going to just tell these people I'm doing these old jokes. Like, I'll just be yeah, honest. So with we're all it. adults. Like, who am I tricking here? Yeah, like, come
0: on, you guys. Well, my, when my friend Mike Furman and I used to perform together, we would tell the audience at the top of the show, we're definitely coming out at the end for an encore. Like, we because we just felt so stupid about it, too. So we would, so we made that the bit that like, oh, we're going to come back I, out for the encore. Funny, yeah. And then that way, when we come back out, it's actually kind of a callback and and worked in our favor because like, oh, my God, you guys, you're so nice. Us? Really? You know, even though we but because we told them we were coming out, uh, you know, like way earlier in the show. I like that. that. That's you're making something into your act. Yeah. Like that's actually creating you're
1: creating like what they're what they purchase as a ticket is you being the entertainment. You've now created the standard thing of this encore into something that's, you know, like, why would we not get laughs out of everything? That's our our job is to get the most laughs we can get. So why not make this the laughs? But I also see Chris, like Chris Rock is, it's more of like a rock star mentality, like or Eddie Murphy, where you're like, yeah, that works. That's what they do. And that works so good with them. And that's actually what you want is that kind of like rock starish like dropping the mic.
0: And you're like, yeah, dude, that I want all of that. And I could then, never drop a mic. I just feel oh. like it would be weird. I would drop it. It would probably break. And I'd bend down and be like, guys, I'm so sorry. I would be apologizing to the club. It would be the, it would be the most apologetic, saddest mic drop. You know, like I would probably just gingerly set it down. Guys, I'm going to do a mic set. I'm just going to yeah. set it down. Yeah. I don't want to hurt anything. Yeah. I don't want it to fly off and hit anybody. You know, like I, I'm so you're sorry. you
1: just some union guy coming out, shaking his head after you. Like, and he's like, come on, man. Why would you, that's why would you yeah. drop the mic? He's like. Why would you, Chris, why would you do that? And you're like, well, that's not how it's supposed
0: to go. It's not supposed I to. I didn't yeah. know. I didn't I, you know. I'm not I I really thought sure. that's what people do. I didn't know. No, yes, people You can't do that. Other people, cooler people can do that, but you yeah. can't. <laughs> and now we briefly pause to thank the sponsor for this episode of the ID10T podcast, Raycon Earbuds. So... A lot of us are working from home now, which means shared spaces, which means, uh, it's really important, especially now, to keep what you're listening to to what you are listening to, (laughs) not what significant others or your family or other people are listening to. So everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. But before you go spending hundreds of dollars on a pair, check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. They start at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market. And they sound just as amazing as other top audio brands that you know. And their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are the best ones yet with six hours of playtime seamless bluetooth pairing, more bass and now a more compact design that gives you a nice noise isolating fit and uh my favorite part is that they come with the those little size adjusters so whatever size um your ears are, they'll fit perfectly in there uh very comfortably and so it's great for like listening to this podcast for instance or music or conference calls if you're doing a lot of zooms, you know, since uh, since we're not going into offices right now. So Check them out. See why celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Cardi B, Melissa Etheridge, and Brandy are obsessed with Raycons. Pick up a pair and see what it's all about. Right now, it's time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash ID10T. That's B-U-Y raycon.com slash ID10T. Thank you so much for sponsoring this episode of the ID10T podcast, which we now return to already in progress. I would love to, if it's okay, just to sort of like, I really want to see how your brain works a little bit, if you don't mind, because yeah. I, I, you know, for for like building a bit, I don't know if it's a bit or not, but the golf tournament story with the guy asking you how come to me, that sounds like a Nate Bargotsi seed of a bit where you could tell the story of how you felt like you really had made it and you had your own golf tournament. And this kid comes up and another other guy's like, hey, how's that going? Like the idea of like, you're playing in my golf tournament. That to me feels like a rich vein of of a Nate Bargatze run, where you could really sort of play with that idea of your expectation and what's his deal, and the fact that it's your tournament, and then that can lead back into. So, if you were going to turn that into a bit, and I hope you do because it's a really funny story, how would you start attacking that?
1: Uh, So I would like the way I look at a lot of stuff is like I would first want to see if it can stand on its own because there's a lot of things that can't. I don't think you want to stand on their own and then they can't. And then those are sometimes jokes that you end up like giving up on. And truthfully, it's just maybe not as strong enough of a thing to be by itself. And maybe I need to put it with somewhere else. And like that one, I would almost probably end up putting it with like that zoom story I said at the beginning, right? Like I would maybe somehow combine those two things because then together they can both, they, they can feed off each other and become, you know, something that's much bigger. And that's how I look at a lot of stuff is when it when when you when you get something. You know, I have one joke that I have that was my special is like ordering iced coffee with milk at Starbucks and they give me milk with ice in it. And that was like a big joke. And then I said and I never I've never ordered milk publicly in the history of my life. Uh and the idea of that joke originally came from like just saying as like for me, like I never had milk in my life unless like a woman was in my life. So like I had milk with my, my mom, we always had milk in our house. And then when I lived alone, i never had milk, never thought about buying milk. And then when I got married, milk is just back in the refrigerator. Milk becomes a very big topic. It's do we have it? Do we? And so I, I could never make that something though. And so then I ended up just shrinking it down to it's in that joke to say, I've never ordered milk publicly in the history of my life. So like all of that in my head, like I had these two things about ordering this big, milk chunk that I'm going to try to do but I couldn't get it to be like ever really anything and then when that Starbucks thing happened to me I was able to grab that and then just put it into like public and never publicly buying milk so like that's what I end up doing with a lot of stuff so if I would for that story with the golf thing it would be maybe I dive in that guy I, I almost would try to go figure out who he was again I don't really remember he's like said he was like my buddy's like uncle or something and i don't really remember him so i would want to go probably dive figure out who he was a little bit more right and then just the aspect of like i mean that kid i'm not trying to be braggy but the kid was like sh- like shaking a little bit like he was nervous to meet me so it, i would almost probably amplify amplify that to to be like i mean this person is like is just nervous to take a picture and that guy i mean doesn't think i do comedy full-time
0: he isn't even aware that he's playing in your golf tournament so i feel like you know do you explore the idea of the juxtaposition of those two things being a metaphor for life do you kind of go down a rabbit hole of like how you kind of abandon your game like on the 10th hole to just follow that guy to figure out who he is yeah does it back into high school to start where you start calling people who is this fucking guy you know and then you you know then you find out he actually doesn't know anybody uh you know so (laughs) it's like how do you, but, but, but that idea that you said with the milk story of, you have all these things that sort of paint the picture. And when that's not working, asking yourself, like, what is this really about? And what is this? What's the sentence that kind of defines this? Oh, I guess it's that I've never ordered milk in my adult life. And somehow that, like you said, that conveys all of those ideas all in a concise it. way that is digestible to the audience. But you kind of have to have your comedy machine pretty tuned up to be able to arrive at that place. Yeah. You got to, you got to realize that like,
1: you have to accept that some stuff is not going to be as long as you want it to be. You might want this thing to be this, you know, I have a joke about a dead horse and it's five minutes long. That's wonderful. Nothing's better then coming up with something that's that long and like, you know, when you got to do an hour and an hour, 15 minutes and you got five minutes is just one thing. <laughs> there's nothing better. And so you want stuff to be that long. It's not always going to be that long. So sometimes it ends up getting narrowed down to just a line and another joke. And you just have to like learn to accept that and not try to hang on to this joke, especially when it's not working. And I don't ever like, I never try to throw stuff away, like, you know, where it's like you try stuff and you're like, it didn't work. I'm going to throw it away because it is it's you you put it in a pile that you're like, I'll be able to s- grab, you know, like I have this one thing. Oh, I can grab. Oh, remember that thought I had? I'll put that thought with this. And now this helps that story. And then it helps build. So you're just kind of grabbing pieces. You know, when you put notes in your phone, like you you just you, sometimes it's just one sentence and sometimes you can make a whole joke about it. But a lot of times it's just a piece together kind of thing. So if you have a story that you're like, this is interesting. I think this can happen. And then uh, you're able to grab some other stuff to then amplify that story. And then now that story becomes like a much bigger thing. You just got to always be aware.
0: Yeah. I I recommend to people sometimes um, because the notes program I use, I just, I I use tags with things. So if something's not fully cooked yet, You know, but I know it's about, you know, technology, social media, and I mentioned dogs. I'll just tag all those things so that if I'm writing something else, I can kind of go, oh, what else do I have? Like, what other tags kind of touch these points? Does anything fit in here? And it makes me think of my wife and I are really loving the show right now. It's on the DIY network called Maine Cabin Masters. And it's just about this family in Maine who they just renovate these sort of like vacation camps for people in Maine, there's this culture of called vacation land. And it's just all these like camps. And they're basically just like, you know, one and two bedroom little structures that are just designed to be little vacation camps. They're not terribly expensive. These people are working on budgets of like 25 grand to redo their entire camp. And part of the reason that they're able to do that is because this guy has this insane salvage yard of shit that he never throws away. It's almost hoarding like, but he uses all of it, and so I sort of see it that way of just like you're basically just creating this this salvage pile that you can kind of go say, oh, right, I had that one piece, and that's over there behind that thing over there. Oh, yeah, here it is. Now I can use this for this. So you never – and that was harder to do when we had – do, do you use a notes program or do you use physical notes? I have –
1: yeah. So the one thing writing, I've never written out like really word for, I just put it in my notepad and my phone. So when I have an idea, like I think of a joke and then I, I just kind of type it in there. A lot of times it'll be at night. Yeah. I try to get better make myself. Like even when you're trying to go to sleep, like it's like, put it in your phone, uh, you know, so you don't forget it. So I'll just put that in there. I've always written set list out. That's the only writing I've really ever done on note cards that I still do. And so, I mean, I have stuff from 2004 and three, like set list that I, when I was uh, six months into comedy. So I've always done my set list and a lot of the set lists are the exact same set list over and over again, but I can slowly start seeing it. Like when stuff kind of falls off and falls out and then comes back and I might go back and be like, Oh, what was that joke about? Like, and then you think back. So like, that's, I, I do keep kind of a track. Of just, just the one word, a sentence that yeah. makes me remember the joke. And then I, now I'm very much into like, I make sure everything can get into the other thing. I want everything to lead into whatever the other, you know, like, cause to me it feels more like a conversation when that was something I learned, like seeing Patrice O'Neill or Bill Burr, like they talked about, like, it was just like being a conversation. Like if you're talking about it and if I can make this, you like, I remember watching Patrice, and Patrice would he was able to where you couldn't tell what was prepared and what wasn't prepared. Yes, and he was able to intertwine it so much, and I I just remember watching that and being like, oh, that's like you know he's doing something, so like because there's a there's a real craft to it in like learning how to like make these things kind of go together and flow and it's and you know where you don't feel like you're just being like here's this. And then here's a joke about dogs. And now here's my hot air balloon joke or my, you're not just jumping around. You're like, well, how can you make those two? And you can basically make everything connect. You can find a way to make it connect. And a lot of times you make it connect in a very personal way. And if you make jokes about you, like I make a lot of jokes where it's all me. Cause I always, you know, it's like, I think that makes it more relatable because it's, it's, I'm not pointing out to the audience. I'm not being like, you're the problem. I'll be, I'm the idiot and here's my dumb thing and then it makes people i think laugh where they don't feel like you're like coming you know i've never been i've never like cared. i don't want to offend anybody like i just I, I just don't have it in me uh you know like like some comics want to go push the boundaries and want to challenge people or whatever i i just don't have that
0: bone in me to like, i don't either i, yeah, don't, and, I you like, know, but you but it's weird because there there's a sort of duality of in a way, you have to lead the crowd because they are—they yes. show up expecting that you have the experience and the know-how to let them sort of like let the reins go so you can take them on a journey. But for me, anyway, I'm not saying this is for all comedy, but for me, I don't feel like there's any benefit to trying to put myself above them. So you're a leader, but you're a little below them at the same time so yes. that you but of the, but you're leading him. And so it's sort of a, it's an interesting, I, I feel like that's a really interesting duality because you there, there's two slightly separate things, you know, like you're, uh, you, you, you have to be sort of like you have a to self, be confident without being confident. Like, yes, you have to be a self deprecating, yeah. you know, it's like a self deprecating leader in a weird, in a weird sort of way. And you got to know I, where uh, you're going. Like yeah, that, exactly. that's the big, that's, that's the, the death of a, a lot of
1: people with comedy or like if you see them is when they don't. And that's the death of a joke. I can tell if I don't have an out of that joke, then I'm in big trouble. Right. But If I have an out, I can actually kind of play in the joke. It's almost like you try to build all these little exit ramps on jokes. Like mm-hmm. I can get out of this joke and, you know, that dead horse thing, I can make it two minutes or a minute if I have.
0: That's to. a Bob Newhart thing, by the way, just in case you didn't know, that's how he built all of his, he built all of his bits. He put in um pull out points all along the way so he knew like if I get to this point and they're still laughing, I'll go to the next one. If they're not, I'll stop there. Like he designed his bits to have all of those pullout points.
1: Oh wow, I didn't know that. That was uh yeah, that's great. I mean I'm the Bob Hope of uh the now. Bob Newhart. <laughs> the Bob Newhart, yeah. Actually, I actually compare I said oh, Hope actually uh bob newhart is someone that people uh no i'm not saying i'm bob newhart but like i think just because he was like slow talking and all that stuff the storyteller uh, the storyteller and like yes bob new yeah bob newhart is unbelievable but yeah it's like it's a way to get out of stuff you don't want to be trapped in stuff i never try to be too far from a laugh either i never want to put too much pressure on a laugh like the you know the longer you go from a laugh the bigger that laugh has to be mm-hmm. so i try you try to have just You're just trying not to put the weight of a joke on like four words. I want you to be laughing the whole time. So it, you know, so then it flows a little better. And like that way, when I get to the end of it, it's, you know, it's nice instead of being this like, because otherwise it's got to be this gigantic, you know, the more silence you have in a, in a story, I mean, you can just tell the crowds, like, this has got to be going somewhere great. And you're like, it better go somewhere great. Well, that, it's going to be that's,
0: the other, that's the other benefit to conversational style is that if something, you know, if you have a, a minute or whatever where there's not like a huge laugh, it doesn't feel like anything because it just feels like the ebb and flow of a conversation. And mm-hmm. if people laugh, great, then you can take the pause and then move on. And if they don't, it allows you the freedom to just kind of move on quickly without them going, wait a minute that was a joke that no one laughed at. Cause it just, it, it, it sort of clips along. So they kind of don't realize like, Oh, that was a bit that didn't kill.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 It just died. And you're like, yeah, it did. That's what's so great about doing long sets. Don't you feel like when you start doing an hour,
0: you write more when you start doing hours. Oh, without a doubt. doing an hour ruined me for doing, I I don't do a lot of short sets when I'm at home I because even, I'm like, yeah. God, I don't know. I've built my hour. It's like, to, to know this bit, you'd kind of have to hear this one and you kind of have to have a set. I mean, I feel like less of a comic because I don't, you know, like I wasn't, before the quarantine, I wasn't regularly like dropping in at the comedy store and doing 15 minute sets because it's like, God, I don't really have quick jokes and I don't know how to, oh, fuck, I don't know. Like, I'm just so accustomed to the hour long set now. I don't think you're,
1: it's, it makes you a better comic. I, I, I'm not against doing those short sets. I do them sometimes when I go to LA, I barely do them two i don't have the desire to do them that much anymore uh i don't think it's bad to like occasionally be going in and like grabbing your greatest 15 minutes and like maybe in your closing 15 minutes if you're trying to like really like i need to go murder with this 15 minutes so i'm gonna go put it under the pressure of being like that's all the time i have but it makes you a better comic to talk for an hour talking for an hour you remember when you first like when I first headlined after doing just New York spots, i I, I, mean, I would I was like after thirty-five minutes, I was tired. I could feel the audience was tired. Cause it was like I was so used to like rapid fire. And then when you start headlining, you're like, oh, I have to you gotta stretch everything, like it's just the way you talk's gotta be different. It's 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 just a different kind of muscle. So then once you train into that muscle, that's the comedy, you know, that's like a Seinfeld thing where he was like, you know, 15 minutes isn't comedy, an hour is comedy. And if you want to get to the, the higher levels to be, you know, raise up as a comic, you got to go be doing an hour and you have to do that. I mean, you know, 15 15 minutes is, it's what you're supposed to do at the beginning uh, for sure. But I write a lot faster on the road. You can put stuff in and try stuff a lot more when you have an hour and I'm not scared. I'm going to, you know, I still always want to do, if I perform for, for 15 minutes, I don't want to go bomb for fifteen minutes. No, you don't, don't want, want to do workshop good.
0: material in a fifteen minute set because you don't have a lot of time to like run back. <laughs>
1: yeah, I want to go murder, but I have an hour. I can throw in ten minutes of jokes that I'm like, I have no idea. It makes me try more stuff because yeah. I have so much time to get them back. That, is yeah, like, that is, yeah, that is that is funny.
0: It, it used to feel like it used to feel like you know being a tadpole in an Olympic sized swimming pool, and then now you grow so accustomed to it. You're like, Oh my God, I've been on stage for an hour and 15 minutes already. Like it just moved by so fast, but it is, um, it it is necessary to, you do, you do have to learn how to do that. But I do have respect for people who can do like the, the the Stephen writes, it's like, Oh, he can do five minutes or he can do an hour because of the style of comedy that he does. And his character is so strong on stage. He can just look at the audience in a certain way and their brains will paint in the numbers there because they, already they have such a strong sense of who he is and they'll laugh. And for me, it's like, well, I got to do an hour. I have to sort of like take the audience on this journey. I'm doing music in the set now. And and on that tip, sort of looking at the precipice of, I don't know if we're really going to be able to like fully tour tour for at least a year, (laughs) probably. Like, what are you, uh, are you going to, write a bunch of new stuff in that time? Are you going to, I write, I tend to write better when I know I have a show that motivates yeah. me. Yeah. Is that the same for you? Are you going to have a ton of new material in a year? Or are you like going to rest for a bit? Uh, I don't know if I have a ton of I mean you know, I've written some COVID stuff and like, I
1: thought of it. I don't know if it'll be good. You got to really try it out in front of people. And uh, I'm like you too. Like I, you need to be performing. You need to be in that groove uh, to know like what's funny and what's not funny. So, I mean, I do think you should be funny. I mean, like I started a podcast and it was because it, it was a, cause what am I, I have nothing to do. And like, <laughs> but it's also about keeping that muscle of being funny, like talking to people and being funny and trying to, you know, that's a muscle you have to, it's very easy to like lose that. And you don't want to become like just, you know, depressed during this time and you, and just like, you're a downer. So it's like trying to be funny and trying to keep that active so you stay sharp. So you, you know, you're not just like a zombie. And so when you go back out, so I, I, yeah, like I said, it probably will be a year before we go back out. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, my, it, maybe it's grabbing some shows here and there that are where it's like limited See, you know, I'm sure we, there, some of that stuff can pop up and where you can, you know, it's like going to a restaurant there's like 40 people and they're all spread out and you could be just grabbing anything, like just trying to say something in front of somebody, you know? But yeah, yeah I don't, I, I don't know. I, mean, I don't, I don't think I'm going to come out of this. I'm like, I I'm like you, I kind of, when I write, I'm never sitting on just uh, another hour. You ever like Sue when you go like on the road and you go to like do a local show, like after your show. And then I'll be with someone. And I'm like, what are you going to do? They're like, oh, I'm going to do like some new jokes. And I'm always like, all I have is the hour that I did. Like I, I don't have like a surplus of just material that I'm just sitting in a room just like, oh yeah, I'll just grab this.
0: Yeah. But when you're a younger comic and you're accustomed to doing mics all around town, you have that. You're, you're in that nimble sort of like ideation period where you're constantly trying new stuff because that's what that environment fosters, which is great. Yeah. You know, but now like I saw Gaffigan did a, a a drive-in movie theater show. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it's funny because you can't. There's. You can't really hear any. The, the problematic thing for that for me is like we have to be able to hear the audience. There's no substitution yeah. because you're forming a relationship with them. And in that case, people were like flashing the lights and honking the horn. And I thought, oh wow, this is revolutionary. Honks are going to become laughs are going to become honks. And in to bring it back around, in the Steve Martin Masterclass, he talks about doing a drive-in movie theater in the '70s or the '60s, and he was like, and there were no laughs. People were just honking and flashing their lights. I'm like, oh my god. Uh, yeah. It it came back around. It came back around.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's crazy. I'm doing, I think I'm doing one. Uh, we're trying one. I don't, de- because I, I, I don't think it's going to be good. I definitely want to try it. Because I just, if it's going to be bad, you're like, well, I want to see how bad it is. Like.
0: It'll be uh, great for the guys. And, and it, I'll tell you what, it'll be great for all the comics who are, are like monologists who have a very tight scripted set um, which I also envy, and who know where all their beats are, who almost like like Beethoven, you know, when he lost his hearing, could still compose feeling the vibration of the music. He still had such an understanding of music, he could still compose. And so there is a certain amount of that of sort of like, you know, um, we would have to sort of feel it out that way and know like, okay, I can't rely on that external what other thing can I grab onto to give me my rhythm? And some comics are just naturally have that. But for people like me, it's like, I need the audience. I need to riff off them. I need to feel the energy. I need to surf that. I don't know how to do it otherwise. I just think, what if you see, you know, like,
1: everybody's talking about walking a crowd. Like, I mean, can you imagine if you want, you just see, so you see a car back up and like have to do like all this turn, and he just drives home, and you're like, oh, that guy was not on board. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like the Austin Powers just stuck in the like a guy's trying to be like, I got to get out of here, and you're like, oh, all right, it's like so obvious. Usually, the person just sneaks out in the back of the room, but yeah, you see, but you would hear
0: the, the, the car start. Yeah. You, would, you would hear the car start. You know, if you're telling a joke, you're like. Yeah, and that's when I saw this guy jerking off a dog. You just hear the engine turn, you're like, uh oh, everyone's aware. You just hope it's
1: a hybrid. You hope it's a hybrid that he can just back in, you don't hear him go. That's you start your only putting,
0: hope. You start putting that into your rider, you will only perform for hybrids because they're yeah. silent. Or at least you just hear the you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. oh my god. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what I don't know what writing is gonna be like for the next year. So I don't want to I don't think I, I don't want to write like quarantine jokes because I just feel like, well, by the time I can performing, I don't know if people are going to want to hear about that, you know? So you're probably going to have to address a little bit of it, but like, so it'll be
1: like a couple minutes off top. If you come up with something that's really clever, or good, or you're, you know, like I, I'd imagine you have to address it in a way,
0: uh, right.
1: but yeah, I don't want to go do an hour of just, and yeah. And I don't think people want to do, it. I, I did a show at Zany's. They were able to open back up and then I think they're closed again now, but they're, uh, they, I was able to do one, and I mean, I would do a two minutes of COVID stuff, and then you get into, like, just your regular act, and you could just tell, dude, the relief. People are just like, yeah, I'm done. Like, I just need to, like, my brain, which I think is our job as comedians. to like, we're, you know, people lose uh, that thought to be like, I, you can't just be pounding these people. These people are on, look, how much do we get pounded with news and all that stuff? That's all, and these people are just regular people just trying to, like, Feed their families their kids are not going to school like yeah. there's just all this stuff it's my job isn't to like yell at that person
0: because something it's like I need to give them a break I well, need remind, to yeah, like, or remind them what a bummer it is it's just like yeah oh they they like we're communal beings we we need to feel like you know like we need a little bit of a break because obviously we're gonna have to go back home to figure out how to deal with all these problems so you know Comedy in particular, it's it's just interesting at a time where I feel like comedy would be really beneficial. We can't do it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Too dangerous. Yeah. And so you know, so yeah. So we're just. I mean, I I just assume like, well, I'll be home for at least the next year trying to figure out like, you know, what am I going to talk about? Am I going to go back with the set that I had right before? Or am I going to add to it? I have not written that much stuff at all. So I I, I, have no I haven't either, and I don't think most comics have.
1: Uh, it's 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 hard to when yeah like when you have pressure like this to think like well i should be writing more it's it's just almost impossible and uh i'll go back the, the interesting thing was to see if your act still works like there right. you know like is you have some references or stuff that doesn't make sense anymore so you know that that will be the that'll be really when you start diving in you now when you're going to your office building
0: oh no wait you know yeah. when you're in a movie theater. Well, no, fuck. <laughs> like oh, some man. stuff's gonna be fine, and some stuff won't. You know, age well. It's just the way it is. And but we're gonna have to have those first couple shows to be like, oh, oh, right, this. Oh, okay, right. You know, it's like you gotta you gotta get those. The, some some shows are just for like resetting the rhythm. It's like that reboot. Oh, oh, right. That's this thing, and I and I present it like this, and but now it's a little bit different. But that's okay. I can figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, your podcast, you mentioned uh, Nate Land, mm-hmm. uh, is does that is it out now or is it coming out?
1: It's out now. We we did uh, we just recorded episode today. The fourth episode was recorded today, so the first three episodes are out, and they come out okay. on Wednesday. And uh, yeah. we're
0: recording this July twenty first, just for people who don't, and I think you're, the podcast isn't posting until August. But um, so by August, several episodes will be several out.
1: several episodes will be out, and then so.
0: Uh, unless we've already quit it. So either it could
1: go either way. <laughs> like you're either like, "Oh, he used to do it." Like by August, it's like, "Well, he tried it." <laughs> he they're, still tried it. They're, they're still like, there. They're yeah. still hey, it's, it's still the fourth one, like they're like, "It's only four. But uh yes. So it will be it will be up there and it's on YouTube and all that and all the podcast stuff whatever.
0: And the idea being the same as like what a show would be, which is to give people a little bit of a distraction, which I feel like is what we try. That's what we do. Talk about it a lot, but it is meant to be a distraction from all the, 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 the crazy, the quarantine crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what that, the idea of what we did, you know, one episode, the episode, we talked about uh, money and like talked about prices, right. To, uh, Tom Cruise to like, you know, just like them being surgeons By the way, you, when you, I remember listening to your interview with Tom Cruise, uh, Right, it was Tom Cruise a while ago. Yeah, Yeah. and that was like the greatest thing. We just talked about him too, like his reality of like that guy's been famous for so long. I just like like thinking about his reality. Like, I mean, I you know, he's I mean, he's like a walking Walmart, he's just worth a billion dollars. Like,
0: yeah,
1: and uh just but like listening to him you when you interviewed him, that was like enormous because it was like you just never Tom Hanks too, when you had Tom Hanks, because it was it was like these gigantic stars. That you're like, you never really hear them talk and be normal. And like yeah. Tom Cruise, I felt like when you did him, that was one of the first times you were like, oh, wow, man. This is like hearing a big time dude just, you know, you can hear him somewhat be normal, you know, and he's in a world that's almost impossible for him to be any kind of normal. Uh, but he was like lovely. I mean, he comes off
0: all the stuff. You always hear that he's like the best or like a great guy. Uh, well, so. That's so funny though, is that 10 years, you know, 10 and a half years ago when the podcast started, there were certainly other podcasts and there were other people who had been doing it before and had really carved inroads into podcasting. So many great people and comedians had been doing it for years, even when we started in 2010, but, um, now 10 years, 10 and a half years later, you know, there's a lot of podcasts, there's social media, social media yeah. exploded just in the yeah. time since we've been on. And so you know now i just feel like oh that's celebrity you know i I feel like people are like oh god 10 years ago i was like oh i never really get to hear celebrities and now i think some people are like i feel like i hear celebrities too much yeah but (laughs) that was really one of the
1: first ones to hear that big of a star talk for that long was pretty crazy like you know and that was there was definitely a, a a different time and it was like you know, I mean, I, and for me, it just makes me like, the, I like them more, you know, you're like, you're now, not you know, that, hear you know,
0: people as human beings, like what would, you know, if you're interested in someone or you see someone, like, what would it be like to have coffee with them for an hour and just ask them random questions about their lives? And it's not so much the things they say, but sort of how they carry themselves and how they communicate and how they process information and what they're into and what do they like. And, you know, like that to me is the interesting stuff. And also like, what can I learn from them like what have what what kind of life I mean, even just talking to you for an hour and twenty minutes, you know, like there are definitely things about comedy that I've learned that i'm it's not like I'm actually like I have to study, but I do pick up, oh, that's a really good point. I should remember that I need to write that down. that's an interesting and so for me it's still like I'm still curious and I still like to learn yeah. from people I still like to understand how people like how do we you know, like we, we all have a handful of places that we're trying to get to that are all the similar, but the way that everyone goes about that's a little bit different and that's unique. And how do they do that? And so, you know, that's the interesting stuff to me. Yeah. I enjoy it. I mean, you can,
1: you can, with anything, acting sports, like seeing what it takes for these people to get to the greatness that they, you know, like they had the Michael Jordan, the last dance, even if you were not a fan of basketball, like just to hear that guy's Like, it just showed you, like, Jordan was, like, in, like, he loved the game so much. And then, like, that appreciation, like, I I never thought about him actually loving basketball probably more than anybody. And that's why he made him become, and so then you're like, oh, this guy just loved what he did and obsessed over it. And then you're like, oh, that, like, changes everything. You know, you just, that changes everything. Like, what do you think about this guy?
0: Well, yeah, because you don't, sometimes all you see is the result. You don't see all the work. You don't, you don't see the passion, it's implied. If someone does that much work to excel at something, they're probably passionate about it, but unless they're going, I'm so passionate about this everyone, you know, like it's just sort of implied and you don't see all the work that goes into something. And that's probably where true artistry comes in, right? Where Where like masterful skill goes into artistry, which is that you don't see the work. It just becomes this seamless thing that looks very easy because they make it look beautiful, but really it's thousands of hours of work and kind of obsessing over details and learning and evolving and understanding and trying and seeking and being curious. And, but you just don't see the process. So you just go, Oh yeah, that guy, you know, that, that person was naturally talented. Like, well maybe they were naturally talented at a skill, whatever the skill is comedy or a sport or whatever. But on top of that, it was that they were also like committed to putting in more time and passion than, you know, 99% of the population. So, yeah, we've seen comics that, you know, have been
1: super, super funny. And then they just kind of don't go anywhere. And you're like, yo, that person never wanted to go out. Like, it never wanted to do it. (laughs) But they were like, I remember seeing guys at the beginning, you're like, this dude's so funny. And then they just kind of never really catch on. And then you go back and look and you're like, yeah, because they were never trying.
0: And some of it's luck, but it's also like some luck is universal, and some luck is engineered. You put yourself in the right place at the right time, and it's also that sort of idea of preparation meeting opportunity. So you got a lucky break, but you were ready for it. Yeah. You were prepared for it, and so I don't know. There's just so many unknown factors and so much that we can't control. But I, um, I uh, on the idea of again. Hopefully, people have found this this hour plus hour and a half a nice distraction from anything that might be stressing them out, and they should further continue to do that by listening to your podcast, Nate Land. And you know, I, I really, um, I really, really enjoyed talking to you, and I hope we get to talk not on the podcast because you know our, our shared manager Alex just thinks the world of you, and oh, Nate's such a nice guy, and you really are, and you know, and um, I would love to, I would love to talk again, and because especially now as comics, like being able to bond with other comics, this might be what we have for a while. Yeah. Sharing experiences with each other to sort of fill some of the void of, you know, not being able to go out and perform for people the way that we've, you know, conditioned most of our lives to doing. Yeah, I
1: agree. I would love it. Yeah, we have, uh yeah, we have, and we have, yeah, we have the same managers. I mean, we have a lot of the, same thing. So yeah, I think this could be a, definitely a time where, yeah, it
0: should be a time where everybody's like, yeah, get together. Zoom is amazing. So. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to bounce jokes or whatever, that's fun too. Cause at least yeah. it's, at least it's something, you know, like at least it's, it's like, you know, with other comics, you know, if you're performing for a bunch of other comics in a room, sometimes they may not be as receptive because they'll be like, oh, I, I," or they're either thinking about their own set or they're going, yeah, I get that, I see what they did that. But when you sort of talk to another comic one-on-one and you're bouncing jokes, we I feel like my experiences are that we're extra receptive because we understand the process. We know what you're going for. And at least in my case, I want people to feel supported. So I'm going to go, oh, that's great. Have you thought about this? Or I don't know, like maybe this or that. But at least it's some kind of a reaction. Yeah that would help sort of motivate to want to write more or at least be a little inspired? Yeah. Well, and some, and some of it too, is just even if someone knows something
1: else that they, you know, like when they just say something like, Oh, you know, that they did that because of this. And you're like, I did right. not know that. And you're like that. I mean, that can, that changes an entire joke. You're like a joke can go from maybe not even making it in to like, I can open with this joke. Or I can close with it. You know, like it's, which is always fun to see a joke that comes like when you think of a joke and you're like, Oh dude, I got like my Olivia joke was happened to me two months before I taped that special. And when it happened, I was like, I have my opening joke of the special. And like, so usually you would never put a joke in that that's new on a special, but I just knew that this was a perfect opening joke. And so that's always fun to come up with something. And then you get to see that joke, like get more than you ever expected it to get.
0: Well, also what an audience won't necessarily do, but what another comic will do is give you a different perspective on connection points in your act. Mm -hmm. So that you might, you know, like another comic might go, oh, you're working on this bit now, you know, like whatever, it's just a bad example, but it's like, oh, this bit's about horsepower, but you have this bit about a dead horse early in your act. Is there any, is there a callback or a connection or are those part of the same thing? And you go, oh my God, I didn't even even see that, you know, so it's sort of like, it's, it's like that game Boggle, where you think you've seen all the words, the four letter words that formed in the thing, and then someone else goes, Oh, there's the word door right there. Go, I didn't even see that. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's having that other perspective to be able to see your material in a way that when you're too close to it, you may not have that global view. Yeah. So, anytime, man, anytime. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, well, I hope you stay safe. I hope you stay healthy. I hope you and your family are doing well. This was such a pleasure to talk to you. And, it was awesome, uh, buddy. And I wish you all the best in this very surreal timeline that we're in. And I hope to see you out on the road when that yeah. is a thing. That you're doing. When that
1: happens, yes.
0: Okay, great. Thanks, Nate. All right, man. See you all. Good soon. to see you at the end. See you, Katie. Bye. Bye. ID 10T scanning Complete. Enjoy your burrito.